What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? My name's Austin with Block Bites, and welcome to Across the Chains, episode number 17. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Mr. Mark Jeffrey. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Keela, who up until a second ago had a really freaky-ass <laughs> background on. I, I asked him very kindly to take it down because everyone would probably unsubscribe from the channel. The lovely Miss Buns. Good morning, Buns. Nice to see you. Hello. Uh, Nick, who's apparently very cold uh today he's he's got a jacket on and and double sharp your beard has never looked finer sir solid bigger and bigger nice beard you know manhood looks good on you brother so all right Thank so you. we have uh we have one hell of a show today so we're gonna check out the markets we're gonna figure out what the fuck a bits lotto is uh we're gonna talk about some <laughs> cbdc's uh ftx coming back and uh genesis getting ready to rug all your bags so let's get after it so starting this topic off um some interesting things uh have started to happen around the market and i want to share this with you so we'll start with the charts and then i want to go over to some theories uh about you know some what some various folks are saying about this so any way you want to look at this, uh, the Bitcoin market is showing strength. And and my feeling right now, we didn't even make it back down to the EMA 8, which would be, you know, I would say if you were looking to buy the dip, that would probably be a, a safe place to buy the dip because generally that has signaled which way the markets are going to run for quite some time. However, I'm taking a lot of caution on this uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because of these other charts. Uh, if we come over here and we look at the, uh, we'll say the three daily chart on the Dixie. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, the Dixie is a U.S. dollar index. So it's essentially a basket of other Forex trading pairs like the Euro USD, the JPY USD, the GBP USD. Uh, most of that weighting actually goes to the Euro. But what we found, at least in, in recent history, is that the Dixie has an inverse correlation with risk assets. So when the U.S. dollar is gaining strength, generally your risk assets are dropping. When the U.S. dollar is dropping, generally there might be a little bit more of a risk on attitude. Uh, but the Dixie is right now sitting at some almost generational levels of support, which go back, I mean, like years and years and years, all the way back into 2016 and maybe even beyond. So I would take caution there. Uh, and also when it comes to the S&P, which most of most of what seems to be driving the markets these days are going to be some of your legacy markets, your your equities markets. Um, and, and we are just rejecting hard uh, off of the trend line that's that's held us down since the very, very top. So judging by those couple of things, I would take a lot of caution with this rally. Um, and that that's just my personal feeling on it. But I wanted to share a couple of things with you guys before I kicked it over to the group that I found to be to be really, really interesting. So uh, this guy, TXMC Trade, points out that anytime the two-year uh, yield falls below the federal funds rate for the last three decades of market cycles, uh, then that has signaled a Fed pivot. And it's not sitting there currently, but it did actually happen, I believe, the day before or day after uh, the markets started rallying. So I found that to be pretty interesting. And, you know, other people have got some really interesting takes on this as well, not the least of which is Tucker Carlson, which we're going to get to in a second. But U.S. inflation is slowing fast. Uh, and you can see the consumer price index and, and PPI came in with softer numbers, which whether the market is right or wrong, uh, everyone at the Fed seems to be saying, yo, you guys are pricing this shit incorrectly right now. 
And just to, to kick over to our, our old friend, Tucker Carlson, who has uh, some interesting views on why the Bitcoin market is pumping. And what he says is that the FAA was hacked the other day and needed to buy a shitload of Bitcoin uh, to pay off the ransom guys. Check this out. All ransoms like this are paid in Bitcoin. In order to pay a ransom, Bitcoin prices would surge, of course. So the question is, has that happened? Oh, yes, it has happened. Since the nationwide ground stop last Thursday, the price of Bitcoin has shot up about 20%. Is that a coincidence? We asked Pete Buttigieg to come on the show tonight to let us know. Unfortunately, he did not respond to our request, so we'll keep asking. Okay, so this is clown world uh, reporting right there. This is, I don't even know what to say to that, to be perfectly honest. But but there's a lot of different takes. And, and my take right now is, and, and this is kind of where this is coming from, is the macro guys say, don't count your chickens. The TA guys say, you need to play where the trend's going, right? So so you've got kind of people sitting on both sides. Mark Jeffrey, I want to kick it over to you to get us maybe a little bit bullish before Nick comes and ruins our dreams. <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, look, we all saw the Bitcoin pump. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that there was one party or a small group of people who purchased an awful lot of Bitcoin in a very short period of time. Um, I, I don't think it wasn't like a broader market rally. It was sort of concentrated. Uh, was it hackers? Uh, don't know. I, I think what was weird about what, what Tucker said was very strange that the American, um, the uh, uh FAA and the Canadian FAA, which their systems are not tied together. The theory goes that both of those got bricked independently and both needed to buy a lot of crypto, presumably Bitcoin, in order to unbrick their systems. Um, and it's very weird that both of those systems would be down at the same time. So I don't think personally, I don't think that's a coincidence whether the ransom was in Bitcoin or not. I, you know, my, my first thought was, and, and I don't know a lot about how to tumble Bitcoin. But my first thought was, if I were a bad guy, I would I would work on the Ethereum blockchain. I would want the ransom to come in on Ethereum because I can still use Tornado Cash. Yes, the user interface is down, but the smart contracts are still up. And if I know what I'm doing, I can you know basically tornado in and out of there pretty quickly. I don't know if you can do that quite as easily with Bitcoin. Um, my, my guess is if I was a criminal, using the Bitcoin blockchain leaves too big of a trail uh, back to me. So it's probably not the safest way to go. What about Monero though? I mean, it's a slam dunk. I mean, if you're, you know, not to like pontificate on what hackers might do, but like, I mean, if you want to get paid and stuff, get paid in Monero and call it a day or Zcash or something like that. Kila, Kila, how you doing, buddy? Tell me how you feel about all this. Uh, I'm doing wonderful. I, my biggest question here is like, why would they try and get Pete Buttigieg to comment? <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I like, did he get a promotion or something along those lines? Or is he well, still like, well, he's FAA. the transportation secretary. Yeah. The FAA is under him. So they're ah, like, okay. They're yeah, taking okay. like crypto. And I mean, the only thing I'll say is like, go back and watch Tucker Carlson's crossfire video with John Stewart. Like he just makes up stupid stuff for his entertainment, not no, not news show. But like, I think, um, I mean, I think that that's just like, wildly speculative i don't mm -hmm. know like why the faa computer was down or why canada's was down at the same time it's unlikely that a i i think like ransomware got both of them at the same time and that they both had to like pay 
Bitcoin, especially. Uh, yeah, I just I think that there's probably a computer system bug and that the Bitcoin rally stuff was completely unrelated and that that just was like made up because it got people talking about it. I love a good conspiracy theory. Don't get me wrong. But even this one was like, come on, dude, like this is really stupid and you're putting it on Fox News. I mean, it was a little much for me personally. You know, Nick, what are your thoughts, sir? Um, I have no thoughts about Tucker Carlson. Um, I have no idea if that theory holds any legs. Um, I'd probably bet a lot of money that it doesn't. But in terms of the markets, you know, it, it, it's really a story of um, pockets. There's, there's different pockets that you can attack, either on the short side or the long side. Um, most people feel pretty bullish, right? Things are getting better. The S&P is where it was in September. It's four months. It's been flat for four months, trading in a range of 10%. So there's very little activity um, on that front. As it relates to, to crypto uh, catching a bid, um, you know, a lot of the reason why it was down for so long in 2022 was some devious shit was going on. Most of that devious shit has occurred and now mm -hmm. is getting filtered through the system. SBF's in jail. Genesis just declared bankruptcy. Celsius and 3AC. I mean, the 3AC guys are raising another round for another, like these things have been digested. The market's aware of them, and and there's good news when 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 bankruptcy proceedings start because the courts can work it out. So I think there seems to be an appetite um, for greener pastures moving forward. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm starting to turn bullish equities, not crypto yet. But I'm certainly not bearish. I certainly don't think um, things nuke 50% from here. Sure, they could. But um, I don't really, you know, I, I think there's more good news than bad news. I think there's a lot more to be digested. Um, but I, I keep saying it. I just don't see why anyone needs to be in a rush to make any drastic moves. Um, if you like some equities that appear cheap and you think they've got good prospects over the next 12 months, buy a little. Um, if you bought a bunch of Bitcoin at 16,500 and now you're sitting on a nice gain at 21K, sell a little. Like, you don't need to make these bold calls about what happens next week. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the right answer is probably nothing happens next week. So, you know, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic. I um, started buying some equities. Um, but, you know, there, there are certain equities that are up 50% in the last month or six weeks. But the S&P is flat. So you really have to, you know, dive in and, and, and understand, you know, what kind of strategy you'd like to deploy. Um, everyone talks about, well, how do I approach the markets? Well, it all depends on what you're trying to do. If you're long only, then you should start buying if you're confident. But if you want to play the markets, there's a lot of opportunity right now um, in, in both on the long side and the, and, and the short side. I haven't been as active because I'm really busy trying to get Revelo Intel um, launched, but um there's a lot of activity if, 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 if you're made for that game. Legend. Emmett, do me a favor, snip that, and we're going to put that out as the, uh, the bull thesis that Nick is neutral, or Nick is <laughs> not bearish. Not bearish, I am Nick. not bearish. <laughs> That's a Buns. good thing. How are you doing, Buns? Tell us, tell us how, how things are, man. What, what does this look like on your, your side of the, of the street? My glue's fucking with my head. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, I'm kidding. 
I don't do glue. You might want to clarify. <laughs> you might want to clarify that statement <laughs> that you got your eyelashes done, not your huffing a bag of glue in the background. Yeah, I'm not huffing a bag of glue. It's lashes, but um, shouldn't have, shouldn't have got it. Should have just stuck with glue, uh, with normal glue. Anyway, um, there's a lot of interesting rumblings going on, and a lot of energy and enthusiasm coming from the protocol level for various protocols. I've had conversations with on the back end for SoulSwap and extending our services over to those blockchains. And there's a lot of excitement with upcoming conferences that are up that are coming and the start of Q1 for this year. And also things like the Phantom, Phantom Foundation offering new opportunities to incentivize development on their blockchain, et cetera. So these to me signal from the ground up that there is some sense of bullish sentiment that's arising. Otherwise people wouldn't be throwing out money and, and so enthusiastic about branching out these new opportunities. So in the on from from feet on the ground or troops on the ground, or whatever you want to call it, there is a lot of motivation that would inspire me to think that there's a time for a turn of events. We're also overdue given how much time we tend to stick in the in the low market and the low side of the market. So I'm optimistic and part of that might just be a little bit of cognitive dissonance to believe otherwise. So bear with me. You're here. Well I I, I agree with you. I'm optimistic Bullet. on the market and I, I agree with Nick because in that optimism, if if something I I hold catches a nice pump, I'm building a bag of stables with it, uh, and that and just for yeah. just for the, the WTF moment. Well, he, here's the reason why, and there's you know there's somebody who so back a couple of years ago, if you'd have asked me about Arthur Hayes, I would have told you the guy was kind of a villain uh, that he was short in the market, a la SBF. Uh, but these days, the way that he has uh, picked up his medium started writing articles and giving us a glimpse into the, the the way this guy's mind works. He is one of the most intelligent people uh, that I think I've probably ever read their content. And I absolutely love it when he comes out with an article. He's very, very versed on financial markets as well as uh, the macro scenario. But he gives us a couple of scenarios and he's not convinced uh, that the markets are playing this correctly. Uh, he's, he's actually more convinced that j Powell knows exactly what it's going to take to break the economy, and he's going to push it to the, the hairline edge. And so he gives us a couple of potential scenarios. Scenario one, which is, I guess, the preferable one, we get a mild recession. And when that starts to hit, the Fed quickly will pull us out of it with you know quantitative easing, which the thing it is, and I've read this multiple places, they can, it takes a long time to drive the economy down, but the, the Fed tools to drive the economy back up are, are very, very effective. And scenario two, they continue quantitative tightening, causing something in the financial markets to break and potentially cause a 2020 style meltdown uh, like we saw around COVID. And this would immediately lead to heavy quantitative easing, easing uh, in his perspective. So whether either of those are right or wrong, he still sees a potential run uh, at the lows happening. And, uh, and honestly, none of us have a crystal ball. And, uh, you know, there are some some tokens out there that are pumping. And if you can get on board, more power to you, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone have anything else before we uh, before we move this on? Because I I feel rugged. I don't know if you guys felt rugged, uh, but the other day, the, the Department of Justice apparently hired Justin Sun uh, to be their announcement guy. And they came out about 1030 in the morning and said, we have a massive uh, government action. Uh, international cryptocurrency action that we've taken. 
And, and I don't know about you guys, but I was sitting back going, okay, you know, CZ must be involved here somehow. And he, he tweets four out of his Twitter, which if you go back to his uh, four rules for 2023 or something, number four is ignore the FUD. And so I just, you know, I was really watching that BNB price carefully. And so I pulled it up and, and you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play it for you guys because it was absolutely ridiculous. Let me find this. Here it is. Okay. Let me just play this for you guys. Crypto crime ecosystem. Justice Department agents and prosecutors working in partnership with the Treasury Department and French law enforcement have disrupted BitsLotto, a China-based cryptocurrency exchange notorious for laundering criminal proceeds from the dark net. Okay. All right. Hold the phones here because there's <laughs> more to this story, you know? But so it just if you watch ridiculous. The- it's like, we well, caught Pizzolatto. It's like they caught I, like Mr. Mixie Piddling from Super I, I did some digging and I want to share this with you guys. So here, here's the Pizzolatto Twitter account with 1,271 followers. And then if you go over to Etherscan, they have this very, very cool little thing that will actually, it'll show you the USD value in retrospect, uh, just based upon the Ethereum value. I don't think they do that for uh, the tokens. I could be wrong. But the highest USD value in this wallet, in the Bitslotto wallet, and of course they could have others, was 5.6 million. And so anyone that looks at that, you know, just has to think to themselves, what the fuck's going on? Uh, why was this the enforcement action that brought them to, you know, I think the FBI was there, Department of Treasury, like literally everybody was there. But there's more to the story. Uh, there is a little bit more to the story. And so these were the guys that were apparently laundering money for Hydra. And Hydra is or was, I don't know if they're still around or not, but they were a huge dark web marketplace similar to Silk Road and a bunch of the others that have since come and gone. Uh, which, of course, is going to be a huge priority for any government, especially the United States government. But here's the next part. They, they did some chain analysis on, on where a lot of this money seemed to flow. And a lot of it flowed from BitsLotto to other exchanges like Huobi was in there and probably KuCoin. But, but the overwhelming lion's share of where it went was Binance, something like $900 million. And so I believe they have, if I'm not mistaken, they have now named CZ uh, as a major counterparty uh, to this and, and actually put them on the complaint. Is that, is that accurate, guys? Do y'all, do y'all know anything more about this than what I just talked about? No, that was, new, that, that was news to me. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing you were when I first heard, you know, Bits Lotto. I had never heard of them before, and I've been around since 2013 you know, kind of digging around deeply for a long time, like, like all of you. And uh, I, I was like, who's that? And, um, you know, I, I think the theory that who they are and why they were targeted, it's not about them. It's about their stepping stone to some right. other bigger, mm-hmm. you know, some other bigger uh, game that they're hunting. And so I, I think you, I think you've nailed it. I think this is, I think the game now is get CZ, get Binance, you know, the FTX play, was supposed to, you know, that Gary was trying to pull with uh, FTX to, you know, basically knight them and kill everybody else. That didn't work. So now they're trying other methods to go after CZ and Binance. That's what I think. 100%. I think it's 
I think it's just trying to go after Binance, do whatever you can to try and, uh, you know, hurt, hurt them in a sense. And, um, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, honestly, I think that Binance is just playing within the guidelines that they're given uh, in all honesty. And U S doesn't really like that. And if they don't like that, then, you know, change up the guidelines. Um, I mean, Binance isn't fucking. <laughs> Binance isn't fucking stupid. You know, they've, you know, they're not going to risk. They're not going to risk their entire business on trying to make sure that shady shit is allowed on Binance. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Right? Right. It's probably it's probably a tiny, tiny portion of of the revenue that they have. And I mean, you see, and I think CZ also he he sees this that they're they're gunning for him. Of course he does, and that's that's why you see him going to every country, country to country, trying to talk to all of the all of the heads um, over there, and um, you know, seeing what uh, seeing what they can do because they have a massive team that just focus on focuses on regulation. I mean, look, I I think that they're just playing within the guidelines that they uh, that they're given. I mean, even CZ, I think he also, I mean. He's been he's been feeling this for a while, which is why he moved away from uh, like China, everything like that, and is now living or residing in the UAE, or partially. I don't know. Um, I think you're making a really good point. CZ is trying. CZ and Binance are trying to be good actors. Correct. It's in their business interest to be good actors. Mm -hmm. They want to succeed as a real business, and uh, the fact that people are chasing them around the globe trying to kill them just because they exist uh, isn't the way that the governments should be operating. That is a, that is a bad misstep on their part. But yeah, do you think I, I, that, that is something that, that, I mean, if, if they are good actors and I think Nick, you might've said it last week or the week before that you grow this big, you, you take a couple missteps along the way. And it sounds to me, you know, to your point, Mark, that you had mentioned that maybe the U.S. government is trying to find something, back them into a corner to get on the inside, right? Um, you know, it seems to me that if somebody is operating above board, whatever that really looks like in crypto, you know, that may cause almost more hate uh, than the alternative. And, you know, crypto loves to villainize anyone they possibly can. And I think CZ is just the new narrative. Me personally, I don't think... I don't think he's going to be villainized uh, in the way that everyone thinks he will. Nick, over to you, buddy. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, so um, no doubt things got through Binance. Whether they allowed that intentionally or not is a matter for the courts to work out. But you don't grow that, that quickly, that big, without things getting past you. So knowing that, if I was in the room, what I'd be telling everybody to do at Binance is clean up your act. And that conversation didn't happen today, right? That conversation happened 12 months ago, 18 months ago. Um, I can look up the date, but it was certainly after FTX blew up. Um, I started getting requests from Binance for both personal accounts and corporate accounts to provide a lot more documentation that I'd provided in the past. Correct. Source of wealth type of stuff. Um, I've been through it. It was fairly easy to do, but I have all my documents ready to go. So um, these guys are crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Um, they're going to get caught having done something in 2019 or something like that. They're going to say, look, we were growing really quickly. We were understaffed. We're sorry. This is how we deal with those 14 situations today. And we plugged all those holes. They'll pay a fine and the government will have a bit of leverage on them 
in case they want to go after someone specifically at a later point, and the show goes on. But, you know, Keela nailed it. Uh, they're not idiots. Um, they've been cleaning up their act for a really long time, and the market opportunity for them is just so large. Mm -hmm. All they need to do is exist, and they win at this point. Yes. That's yeah. all they need to do. Yes. Don't fuck it up. And... Um, and CZ's not an idiot. So, you know, I don't know if you guys have been getting requests for documentation, but um, I got it for half a dozen different entities and uh, and yeah. all, all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, Binance is, is, is no joke. I mean, like, they ask you for fucking everything, you know, country of residence. Then you have to prove where you prove your address by sending good documentation. Mm -hmm. You got to send in an ID and then you face, you got to uh, send in a picture of your face. And I mean, it's, yeah. And then, like you mentioned, Source of source of income. I mean, they're they're dotting their. They're no joke. Across. Yeah, no, it's no joke at all. Well, I had so I had Coinbase. Market. What's that, Buns? Like you could get all those things from the Hydra market. How how convenient! Well, <laughs> yeah, you you I mean, might what? be able to, you know. But like, <laughs> I had Coinbase hit me up, and it took me, I would say, two and a half weeks of back and forth emails providing things to them before they they hit me back and signed off that my account is good, and I can't use Binance International you know, as a U.S. person, I do have a Binance U.S. account, used to use Bittrex a lot, don't use them anymore, but they they crawled up my ass about a, a year and a half ago uh, for, for new stuff. Gemini, surprisingly, has not. Uh, maybe they should have. I don't know. But anything I've verified, you know, in the last six months has been has been pretty thorough. And, and, and by the way, interactive brokers did the same thing as well, right? Mm. I, I actually had to get on a video interview with interactive brokers and I've been a client for a decade. Uh, and this happened this month. So I don't think it's just crypto related. I think everyone is sweeping through their procedures and trying to make sure that um, when, when, when the authorities come knocking, they have good answers for some of the things that might have gone wrong previously. And IB, for anyone that doesn't know, is absolute whale in the Forex so space. And I don't... It's a listed company. Um, and uh, it's probably one of one of the largest brokers in the world, most respected brokers in the world. So the opposite yeah. of Binance. <laughs> the opposite of Binance. All right. Um, so as far as, you know, Bits Lotto is concerned, there's probably a lot more to the story. I have some comments about um, Binance's relationship with it. I mean, can you all hear me? It's this mic on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. I don't know if you all just had awkward silence amongst each other. But um, Binance has been under investigation since 2018, and one of the issues in regards to its investigation is covering compliance with U.S. money laundering and sanctions, of course, adhering to those. Um, so it only makes sense that this would be tied into and try to wrap up with um, an alignment with a money laundering scheme effectively. So, I mean, I feel like they just knew this is a potential ammo they could go for. And they're throwing it at Binance because why not? It sticks under the framework of what they're trying to enforce as them being in violation of in terms of compliance. Additionally, BizLotto was a super small exchange uh, registered in Hong Kong. Um, fun fact. Uh, but the thing that's interesting is that the founder acknowledged, I don't know where, but acknowledged publicly that its consumer base is majority criminals. Uh, probably not a smart move. <laughs> Hmm. For anybody who is running an exchange. Um, and also the Hydra, which is tied to, is connected to or was connected to 80% of dark web transactions, which is also pretty notable market share of dark web transactions. But uh, Hydra was shut down last year, too, in uh, April of 2022. 
I was surprised that the dude was just hanging out in Miami. Like I would no shit. I would. I that's what I, I'm actually regularly like surprised when people do stuff that's. I mean, maybe they think that they like are, you know, not going to get arrested or investigated or whatever. But like, this guy was mm-hmm. obviously like related to all of these ongoing investigations, and you know, I didn't know that he said that he worked with criminals or whatever. But like, Where he would obviously you go? had to. It, not the United States, probably not to Miami, go not to Miami, or like yeah, somewhere that's that's like not actively, you know, going after people who are doing criminal activities along but the, the lines of things that I allegedly have done. Uh, you <laughs> know, is fun. Yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> Maybe They'll the clubs are too, there. too nice. That's what it is. The clubs are too nice. You're like it's worth it. I'm going to do it anyway. But yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just regularly surprised that people, like, I mean, that's sort of the thing with, with SBF, right? Like he didn't get arrested straight away because he was hanging out in the Bahamas. He, you know, can't, the U S can't just like snatch him from another country. Then he found out that going to jail in the Bahamas is really terrible and wanted to come back to the U S but so, you know, it doesn't, I guess, always work out to like not be in the U S but like just hanging out in Miami seems like a surefire way to, you know, end up in, a place you don't really want to be if those are the things that you're doing. So I'm just, you know, I don't think that people are thinking it through that much is kind of what it tells me. Well, I want to give a TLDR on this real quick for anyone that's watching. I, I want to give you my opinion of a TLDR is that Binance is fine. <laughs> uh, if anything happens to Binance, they're going to, they're going to have the, the ammo to be able to probably get rid of it. Oh, um, sure. And if you're not doing anything nefarious, like continue to use Binance rock and roll. I don't think there's going to be anything that comes down, nor do I believe, as somebody pointed out last week, that the U.S. government or any government around the world wants Binance to fail because that would fracture a lot of a lot of things. Uh, and so I think Binance is perfectly fine. I just noticed a comment from Crypto Bean over there using Binance is not smart at the moment. I don't think you're going to have any trouble with Binance. I use Binance U.S., uh, I don't leave money on centralized exchanges. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Binance goes down, you might as well just hang it up uh, and, and call it a day because they're they're commanding yeah. the market right now. And I, I want to move us on because there's been a lot of really interesting stuff uh, being chatted about this week with like the World Economic Forum. Uh, there have been multiple countries uh, discussing the pricing of goods and the transaction of pricing of oil outside of the United States dollar, which, you know, it doesn't seem to get like a ton of press. I mean, it gets press among the people who understand what that means. Uh, but if, if the world collectively decides to stop pricing oil in the U S dollar, right. And start using, let's say, I don't know, something else. I wouldn't even say gold because gold is largely priced in the U S dollar. But uh, if they start trying to use something else, you know, the petrodollar theme is really what has made the U.S. dollar, at least in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong on this, the, the world reserve currency. And the, the interesting thing about the world reserve currency is it kind of works inversely in that if the whole world goes to shit, the dollar strengthens uh, and vice versa generally. And so I found that to be really interesting. But we had the, the World Economic Forum going on this week, and there was a whole bunch of various articles that came out about CBDCs. And so we've got Russia in talks with Iran to create a CBDC backed by gold. Uh, we've got the National Australian Bank launching the country's second stablecoin, AUDN, which will be on ETH and Algorand. I would 
probably consider that. Well, maybe it's maybe it is a stable coin and not a, not a, a CBDC. But the World Economic Forum held a panel on the tokenized world economy. And they said tokenization is going to be the foundation of the digital economy going forward. And then you've got Thailand with their CBDCs. I'm, you know, very like in my soul opposed to to the idea of a CBDC. And that being said, I don't think that really matters to anyone. Uh, but but I, I do feel like CBDCs are more than likely a step in the direction of of massive surveillance, uh, not just surveillance, but control. And if we look, if we do look to China as, you know, kind of the canary in the coal mine here, uh, we can we can see some of the shit that they do. And I'm interested to know y'all's take on this, whether you've watched the World Economic Forum happenings, uh, whether you've heard all the chatter about the CBDC. And, and how do you think this all plays out over the next, let's say, five years? Mark, over to you. Yeah, I mean, I do think I, I'm, I'm with you. I, CBDCs scare the shit out of me. Um, you know, for the very reason that the ability to granularly control whether any human on earth can buy or sell is the greatest power ever. And there's nothing in the Constitution that sort of uh, prevents that power from manifesting itself. There's no checks and balances against it because this has never existed before. Right. So, you know, some examples of what people can, you know, what governments could do with this uh, spend your money by December 1st or it vanishes from your account. You tweeted the wrong thing, so your transactions are all denied until you delete the tweet. Uh, you've eaten your meat quota for this month, so no, you can't have a hamburger. Transaction denied. All that kind of stuff is where it will go very quickly if governments are able to implement CBDCs. And the World Economic Forum pushing CBDCs, they, I mean, I am very suspicious of everything they do. They have shown themselves to be all about increasing control. And so I, I don't like what they're what they're saying and what they're doing. Um, but, I would. Yeah, I would say going back to your point about the what gives the dollar value um, back in the age of utility tokens. A lot of people were saying, oh, utility tokens are bullshit. But as you point out, the U.S. dollar is a utility token for the oil app. And that is what gives it its value. That and that alone. What would you say to, I think it was Nick's point, you know, a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week that the banks largely already have the type of control that we fear a CBDC may bring? Correct. I think that might've been you, Nick. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, what would you guys say to that? Are we already in the place where that's the case or would a CBDC just make it that much easier uh, for that to occur? Uh, I think we already have, you know, we already have central bank. Uh, controlled digital currencies. That's uh, basically what we're using on an everyday basis. I think here it might just be putting it now on the blockchain as like the the differentiator. Because I mean, right now, if I'm sending you guys money on Venmo, I mean, more or less, it's again digital currency. It's controlled by the central bank. Um, you know, I, I don't control it. At the end of the day, you don't control it. At the end of the day, um, yeah. And this is what every country wants to maintain. They want to maintain control and they see crypto and blockchain and everything like that being you know being that uh, that thing that loosens their control like if it's a decentralized you know if it's a decentralized currency or whatever um so of course you're going to want to do whatever you can to make sure that you and and your your good old boys boys and girls can control uh the currency like they've done for ever yeah they keyless right they already control it um, I'm not afraid of the CBDCs 
in isolation. It's just better technology. It's cheaper to move the money around. The SWIFT system's broken. So it, it's not the CBDC that gives them power. It's how they legislate on top of that. They could do that now. They could legislate and say that if we, you know, if the police force asks the bank to freeze someone's account, the bank has to freeze it. That exists. So, you know, I, I think the discussion is probably premature. Um, and, and, and just by, like the National Australia Bank, I've got an account there in Australia. Um, and I, I had a look at what they're doing and it's just, it, it, it's the same thing we've got now, except the money runs on the blockchain rails versus the existing legacy rails. That's it. The Australian, the bank doesn't have the right to do anything more than what it already does. The Australian government needs to legislate for that to happen. So mm. I, I, I agree with Austin and Mark that eventually they're going to legislate and they're going to have a lot more control. But whether it's a CBDC or the current system or another system, um, we're heading that way. So, mm. you know, um, they'll do the CBDCs. They'll do them because there's good reasons to do them. Um, so they'll put these good reasons in front of people. Uh, and, and the best reason is tax collection. Um, the black market economy globally uh, is the single largest and easiest lever any government can, can, can pull on to increase revenues. And we all know they all need revenues. So they're going to get it through. Um, and then it's just a matter of does the legislation get better or worse? It's not going to get better. Interesting take. And I agree with double sharp buns. Uh, I mean, so somebody said something about federal reserve notes are illegal or something. And that's not accurate. Um, that would be the, the whole like set, uh, article 10 is about um, the states aren't allowed to make their own currencies. So the whole, like it has to be backed by gold, yada, yada. That's basically just saying like a state can't make their own currency unless it's trading in gold. Uh, the federal government doesn't have to adhere to that. It's specifically talking about the states. Um, but I think that, you know, the other points that were being made are, are correct, which is that we, I guess, in you know, sort of like a devil's advocate point, right? Like the government can already do this. If, if they, you know, if they can put a lien on your bank account, they can freeze all your assets, your credit cards can stop working, so on and so forth. Right now, when that happens, you know about it because your credit cards don't work and you can see, um, you know, in your, your centralized database bank accounts and credit card accounts and stuff that things are frozen a cdbc if it's on a blockchain everyone would be able to see that the government is doing these things so there is transparency as a benefit of a cdbc and i'm not as worried about it like uh, on one hand yes i think it is about control so you know in that respect it's worrisome but i don't think that it's anything that's beyond what the government is is already doing now but it does in some ways make it a little bit more public. So I think that there could be a, you know, a positive thing that comes out of it. I think the point that you were making Austin is that it's just, you know, with you're, you're putting more and more levers in place that you can like easily flip a switch and just cut someone off entirely. But that's, if you dig into it, it's, it can already happen today. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, a few different levers and it's not very public or very obvious when, you know, all your bank accounts get frozen because somebody, you know, lost the paper, some paperwork, or you've been accused of a crime or whatever the thing is, like all that stuff can still happen. So um, I don't necessarily know that CDBCs are, you know, the source of that. Um, I think positive things could come out of them. But at the end of the day, it's really just about someone else said it, it's like all of this, these things are tools. And depending on how they get implemented, or, or how, 
you know, we end up sort of actually, you know, feeling their impact. So if, if it's a terrible CDBC, it's going to suck for everybody. And if it's sort of, you know, along the lines of what we all want with crypto, I mean, the other way of looking at this is it is sort of a, you know, the governments are getting on board with with crypto and they're going to have their own token. Doesn't mean that that like preempts all other tokens or all other, mm-hmm. um, you know, crypto. So it's um, I think it's like it's definitely too early for me to make a, a call one way or the other. But I'm not like super paranoid about it. Bonds, any input here? I mean, like all things, there are positives, there are negatives, and there are notes that I've been writing. So let's go over them. Um, There's a few like things that I want to cover. Those mostly being things that are more than likely inherent in CBDCs, namely the centralized authority aspect. And we understand the the threatening um, aspects that can align with having a centralized authority. Because ultimately, the way that it looks like it will play out is there will be some third party that will be necessary for clearing out those transactions that are being processed. The second thing is the transaction time. Um, Right now, the transaction time is projected to be in days, uh, which is not very efficient. I mean, there are better alternatives out there like Ethereum, Bitcoin, and you just name a few. Um, And bureaucracy is notoriously slow. So um, another interesting thing to know as like a little side note is that I believe it is 98% of the world's GDP, uh, the nations that are participating in enacting a CBDC compose 98% of the world's GDP. So this is a, this is not a, a non-trivial issue. Uh, uh, sorry, this is not a trivial issue. Um, it is in fact non-trivial. <laughs> but also there's enforced privacy. Uh, so motivated by the desire to ensure that they conceal consumer information, um, they're going to want to have ways to have a privatized uh, variant of blockchain technology, which then undercuts some of the benefits that come with having transparency and those especially that are in alignment with preventing things like um, like tr- uh, um, laundering funds, et cetera, which is ironic because they're able to discover these sorts of criminal activities due to the n- nature of transparency that's inherent part and parcel of traditional blockchain technologies. Of course, there they're being exceptions. This CBDC is being one potentially. And finally, the essence of programmatic control of monetary policy, which uh, which is a good thing insofar as it allows for transparency and thus accountability on tracking the updates that are being used to make those de- the decisions that will ultimately control the variables that enforce the overall emissions of the supply and maybe potentially how that supply is being trickled down, though I doubt that given the fact that there is the enforced privacy aspect. So there still won't be full transparency on those, those matters. I also think, just as a side note, it'll be very interesting thinking about all these like old grumpy men trying to figure out how to like deal with like technology, but that's another another situation. For that, for the lulls, I mean, it might be interesting to watch. Um, but going back to programmatic control of the monetary policy, that's also scary. Yes, as Double Sharp mentioned, they can shut down a bank account, which also goes to show that they are willing to use this authority to shut people down. But like this is, if this is all it is, and there's no more cash or uh, a crypto is perhaps diminished, uh, then that makes it extremely dangerous because individuals and communities entirely can be targeted at the click of a button. Um, and there's really nothing you can do about it, which means complete and total isolation from the economic structure, which completely disenfranchises you in 
every way, shape, or form. So that is extremely dangerous, extremely totalitarian, and just doesn't resonate with me. So those are my comments. Nice, yeah. nice. And you know, I, I wanted to mention something real quick, and I don't, I think it was a, a, a tweet from Elon. I don't remember exactly, but he mentioned that something like 90% of the currency in circulation really just exists on servers. Uh, it doesn't yeah, it actually exist in hard money anywhere. And and when they, you know, start money printing, well, they're, it's not really a printer. Uh, it's more like an email, right? Just correct click right and we're gonna we're gonna send you this money digitally and you're gonna digitally send some government bonds back to us and then you're gonna distribute that however the hell you see fit um and and so it's kind of interesting that you know in reality we're kind of living in that place now i think the thing that scared me the most and i'm using the chinese example it was not not as much the cbdc's but the social credit system uh, and the the rating of people and the ways in which, you know, they keep you in line. And there was I was listening to Rogan the other day and damn it, I should have prepped. I forgot the, the poor guy's name, but he's a, he's a Canadian citizen who had spoken out against uh, something totalitarian that the Canadian government was doing. And he's Jordan a licensed. Peterson? I'm sorry, Jordan Peterson. That may be him. He's a licensed psychiatrist. Is that him? Yeah. And they, yeah. they said, you will come in for what we're going to classify as social media retraining. Yeah. Exact words. Or you will lose your license to practice. Now, he's already built himself a huge life outside. I don't think he's still practicing medicine in any way. But, you know, our neighbors to the north who up until this point, you know, I've been to Canada a few times, like sweetest people on earth. You know, I, I thought it was just a bunch of beavers and, and maple syrup running around up there. And and but the, the reality is the government got like they kind of exposed their true colors uh, with the trucker protests. And that's, you know, I had some money in TD Bank, uh, which, you know, is obviously regulated differently in the United States than it is in Canada. But that's Toronto Dominion. That's a That is a Canadian bank. And I ran my ass to another bank and opened up different accounts when that was going on because it scared the shit out of me. Uh, and so that should scare the shit out of anyone. Um, who who cares to pay attention? And so I think that's Austin, that's why. Let me go ahead. Go on, Kilo. Uh, well, I was just gonna say that's why DeFi is so so important. Like it's now you have, now people actually have an option of not having to deal with with this type of shit, and I think that option is is very crucial. I mean, um, I think I've used this example in the past, but I mean, there's people. We always look at it from a scope of the United States, but there's people all over the world who have no access to their money. They can't even go into a bank and, and withdraw their money and you know, have to break into it to, to get their money. And so this is, uh, you know, this is why DeFi is, is so important. And like to, to, Bun's, like to some of Bun's points, I mean, this is why protocols or people who are running protocols are like active in protocols. They have to either be anonymous or they have to really make sure that they get their shit together. Um, because at the end of the day, if the government wants to, if they see a decentralized token that, you know, is, is taking off, doing well, whatever, you know, they can easily just throw a fucking money laundering accusation on them. And then, you know, maybe somebody threw in like five dollars and did some illegal shit, you know, with the token at one point. And then now uh, now they're going to go after the uh, builders of the protocol or the, the keepers of the protocol for some uh, for some BS. I've got to give you guys an example. I can't believe I forgot this. Um, I, I know a company in Cleveland, in Ohio. Two brothers run it, um, ex-military. One of them was a Navy SEAL. They run a business. I, I, I won't say the name because 
I don't think it's important, but they make gun parts and they make these kind of um, uh, like designer gun parts that you can put on your gun and it's almost like a patch, right? But it's metal. They, they do this metal fabrication and they're very right leaning. So they put things on there and that, you know, some people could view as offensive and they sell these gun parts. And if you guys remember a couple of months ago when PayPal kind of put out that announcement that they could uh, seize your money if yep. they viewed your social media posting as offensive or something like that, then they took it back and they put it back. These guys got their money frozen. I know for a fact because I spoke to them about it. So um, CBDC or not, um, private companies just seized these, these guys' money for no reason at all because they found it offensive that you know, they, they put a few things onto guns and then they made one and they sent, they sent me the photo. It says, fuck PayPal. So, so now that people are buying the little I believe it's for yeah, 180 so- days too. PayPal did that to me too. They just cut well, me out. Like they can keep it for 180 days and not say any, any updates on it, tell you what they're doing, what they're looking into. This is an important thing to note though, which is that I think we're like conflating governments and private businesses. Like PayPal's a private company. And so, you know, they can do that. Whereas the government doing that would be completely different. Whether, I mean, I have, you know, PayPal freezing your, I've had that happen and it sucks. And that's why I don't use PayPal for a lot of stuff. But again, like they're a private business, the regulations say that they can do do stuff like that. You, You know, to someone else's point though, like right now, I bet you can't go to your bank and get out all of your money. Well, depending on how much money you have maybe, but like, you know, banks don't even, a bank run can happen because banks don't even have money to give everybody most of the time. So it's, um, you know, there's, I have to give 48 hours notice, Justin, for over 20K. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's Mark, I think he has a point too. <laughs> but that's what I was saying. Like all of this stuff me. does already exist today. And, and, you know, the private companies can freeze your pseudo bank accounts or whatever they are. Governments can freeze your accounts through, you know, various, you know, path. So I don't, you know, I, I think that all this stuff is, is sort of the world that we already live in. Yeah. So I, I, let me answer that because I think, look, yes, they can do things to us now and they have, and they're, they're doing them. However, if it was implemented, uh, well, going back to Elon's point for a second, a lot of the banking system is currently implemented on COBOL machines. And that was also something he mentioned in his suite, right? So, and, and anytime they want to freeze your account or, or take some action against you, there are a lot of hoops that they have to jump through legally uh, in order to do that. And it's not like they just have direct control over all the banks. They have to, you know, there's basically a process they have to go through. If all of this were re-implemented in a CBDC, the granularity of control and the wicked efficiency they could bring to that process would be magnified geometrically. And that is what I'm afraid of. And that's, that is actually materially different than what they have today. Well, and you know what's different about the PayPal thing, just kind of circling back to Justin's point, is that the, PayPal said, if we deem something you've done in the public space to fit any one of these categories, right? So whether it's hate speech or whatever, and that on the on the one hand, there's some very definite things. And on the other hand, it's become ambiguous uh over the years because it's like well if this offends one person you're now you've you know the girl that identifies as a cockroach you're you've spit hate speech on her on twitter or some shit like that and so while governments can't do that if there's anything that we've learned 
with the exposing of the Twitter files, it is that governments will do that through the ones who can do that. And that is what I've seen. And that's what PayPal felt like to me. We don't like your particular brand. And so we are going to turn your brand off. And that, that is something that, you know, feels more prevalent and it's not a, this is not a political argument. It's just kind of an argument to say that's kind of the way that it's felt, whether that's true or not, you know? So I can attest to that being extremely true. I like in within months of each other, I was blocked from PayPal, from cash app and from Venmo all owned by different authorities. I mean, cash app also having square, which I also was eventually blocked off of as well or Square having cash up, whatever it might be. So um, that's no coincidence. And I wasn't engaging in any illegal activities or anything like that. They're just, they, they it all had the same situation. They said, give me your social security number and your phone number. And they use those two pieces of information to verify my account, which at that moment, they shut me out. Yep. They shut me down. Ven- Venmo is PayPal for anybody who yeah. is curious. But they, I mean, again, though, these are- before that, it was a while ago. But, but there, yeah. it's- I. It's, I mean, it's same with like Twitter, like all it's like private companies versus government are very different standards. So like, I'm not defending um, the whatever, like either one of the standards, but they are, they are very different. So, you know, if the government was doing some things versus the private company doing them, it means something very different. So I think um, Austin's saying that the government is using private companies as a proxy to execute that authority. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, I, I, I was saying that in the case of Twitter because we saw the evidence. I wasn't saying that in the case of PayPal. We don't have the evidence. I was just saying that's the feeling that I was getting. From, well, you know. but they, the government is also an entity that can re- make requests of companies. Like they didn't force mm-hmm. PayPal to do anything, I think is the big difference. If they said you have to do this, then it would be a problem if they say, can you look into this? Then Twitter says, yeah, we agree we want to take it down or no, we don't want to take it down. But that like the forcing someone to do it versus asking them to do it or look into something like you may or may not agree with either of those stances, but there is a big difference between forcing a company to do something and asking them to do it. Here, 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 here. And I want to, I want to move us on real quick from this topic. This has been a good discussion. We've been on it for a little while here. And I want to share a conspiracy theory with you guys real quick to segue us. So y'all probably know, maybe you don't, uh, Sam Bankman fried follows Mark Jeffrey and Mark Jeffrey put on his Twitter that this is how it's going to go. FTX is going to reboot. Uh, and and the clown show will start all over again. And on then November you've got 15th, a, you, I said this, by the way. You, when did you say it? November 15th. November 15th. Okay. And so then SBF, whether before or after, started saying these very same things that, hey, if you just let us reboot, we could probably make everyone whole, which feels and sounds like clown world. And then uh, for the first time ever, John Ray III, who is the uh, current CEO of FTX, he took over when, when SBF stepped down or was forced out, says that, that maybe rebooting the firm as a path to make debtors whole is not the worst idea. SBF has been calling for this ever since he got out on bail. Uh, he's made a couple of blog posts questionable uh at best and so i mean what are the chances that they're actually like like he's claiming that ftx us is solvent but because they filed for chapter 11 at the same time that ftx international filed for for chapter 11 it essentially like screwed the pooch there uh for lack of a better term and they're saying that they've supposedly located 
five billion in assets. Um, and, and I have not seen the asset breakdown, but my guess is it's all in Solana, right? It's an, or something. It's an, <laughs> all in some obscure shit coin. You couldn't tell if you wanted to, but like, but what are y'all's feeling on this? Because there will be people out there who will speculate on this and, and did, and FTT jumped up like 50% in a day uh, when John Ray came out and said this. Maybe it was like 5 billion loan with FTT collateral that he found. Be- who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? I mean, Mark, you, you had, you've been talking about this for a while. I saw crypto banter kind of like echoed a little bit of this and it just feels like, fuck me, get them out of here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, once again, you know, this whole thing is dragging on and I feel like, I, I do feel like SBF is a protected person and I still feel like, you know, the, the powers that be, if they can resurrect FTX and get it back up and running again and use it as a bulwark against things like finance, they're going to try to do it. I mean, the FTX, FTXX brand and product are still valuable even now if they can somehow dust it off and get it up and running again. So I don't think it's out of a, out of the question that they will try to do it. And I, you know, look, it's just a gut. I don't know anything, but that's, that's what it looks like to me. How would you use, you know, like, would you use the FTX name or like, so the, my understanding is that the argument is that the FTX exchange is legit software and it, you know, why not use it? The real issue here was all this like backroom shady stuff. So would, would it make sense? Like if the software is what's good, would you rebrand it and, you know, have it no. be some new thing or do you think I, there's value in the FTX name? Absolutely. Still? Honestly, I thought the, the, the product was great. And I thought that the software worked really well. And I thought the user interface was one of the better ones. And this was, you know, I, I was, a, I was a fan of the FTX product. Um, so I, I, I think if, I mean, I guess it's the, the brand, the brand is probably debatable, but the product was great. Well, Google answers your question. If you type in FTX into Google, it'll answer your question as to whether or not you should keep that name. <laughs> we, have, we have talked. I wouldn't want to have that. <laughs> We, we've talked work. in this show a number of times about, you know, how much like we don't have the exact numbers, but how profitable the actual exchange business by itself just on f- trade fees actually is. Right. And the hole that we're talking about here is massive. There would have to be some fuckery going on to plug a hole that big if with a relaunch. I mean, there's got to be there's just no other way that I could look at this without trying to resurrect the FTT token, trying to do all sorts of just wacky, wacky shit. And, you know, part of me feels like, like back to the market for a second, that, that we're kind of just seeing a reversion to the mean and that, you know, that last leg down was FTX. I mean, you can time that candle to when all that shit was going down and we've kind of just reverted back up into that range, uh, which may have been the true the true range that that we should have hung out in for a while. But me personally, I just want to see these fucking people go away. Like they're the cancer in our space. Like let's get rid of them and move on. I I can't see I it any other like, way. Like hopium, and some people who may have like some FOMO of like, oh, if I would have invested in FTX whenever it was small, and now it's another opportunity to get in early, uh, so to speak, and. I think that that's unfortunately getting to some people, but personally, I would short it. Um, short it, yeah. yes. It, I mean, it, it'll never work. I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. On, I think I agree with everyone, that. which is that I don't think it would work. But I also agree with what Mark was saying: is like 
I mean, and I have never used the underlying FTX software for, from everyone that, that I've heard from, you know, the exchange software, they really like the interface and the way that it, it works. So it was the assuming that that was being run in a, you know, professional way that wasn't, you know, stealing lots of money from everybody, then, you know, why throw the the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing? Like if the software is good, why not use it? But that's why I was asking earlier, I would probably rebrand it or something just so that, you know, you don't have all of that baggage associated with it. This is my problem with, with this whole discussion. If the software is good, someone will buy it. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, so if nobody buys a the software, then it's for one of two reasons. Either it's not good and there are things underlying, you know, in, 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 in that tech stack that, you know, they, they, they kept telling us that their risk engine was the best, in, in best, the, the best you could get. Yeah, spreadsheets. They blew up. So Caroline. I, I'm not going to, I used FTX. I mean, yeah, the experience is about the same as Binance. So anyway, if the software's good, there'll be a bid for it in bankruptcy and, and they'll be able to liquidate that asset and someone else can go and run it. In terms of resurrecting the yeah. business under the FTX brand, it never works like 0% of the time. And the reason is you don't get any new money into that platform, hmm. right? That, that business cannot operate unless new users deposit money and trade. Most of the users that deposit money and trade lose, right? So you need a constant, the, the, these exchanges, and it was the same for the poker rooms and same for online casinos and same for sports, sports betting. It's a customer acquisition cost business. That's it. So if you don't get all of, if you don't get the second wave of crypto participants to use FTX, you don't have a business and no one's going to deposit into FTX if they're, you know, sight unseen and coming in, coming in cold. So I, I don't think it works. I think, I, I think they liquidate all the assets, whatever has any value. Um, and the other thing I just want to say in closing is I don't listen to a word uh, SPF says anymore. I don't read his mm -hmm. articles. I don't, I don't look at his spreadsheets. You can't believe a damn word this guy says. Um, so don't listen to him at all. He's either completely full of shit on his face or if, if on the off chance he's not completely full of shit and believes his own lies, he's deluded maybe himself into that or his circle has deluded him into that. And, th and that's just the perspective that he's seen the world in. But all I ever hear is it wasn't my fault. Uh, no, when I listen to him, I'm and, and that makes my skin crawl when I hear that shit. I, I, I do think for what it's for. No, it's just like, I think they're they're letting him like hang himself is the only thing I can think of is like what like just let him keep talking is the only like it doesn't make any sense to me. Just let him shoot himself on the foot. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. All right, I want to I want to keep us going because we actually do have a, a really interesting uh, topic to discuss next, uh, which is that DC or excuse me, Genesis officially filed for bankruptcy yesterday evening. Now, this is pretty interesting because they were teasing this bankruptcy filing and there was some speculation to say maybe this was a power play against the Winklevi because they were saying, hey, you guys need to come to the table and work something out with us. And then I believe it was Cameron who put out a tweet last night saying that they did officially file for Chapter 11. And he, he tried to frame this up as a positive saying, okay, now we can get into the machinations of everything that was going on at uh genesis and and all of this shit 
And so, you know, to put it into perspective, uh, just the Gemini customers, there's 340,000 of them. They're owed 900 million. Uh, but it, it looks like Genesis had, you know, a lot of big debtors, one of which is uh, 3AC, who we know went belly up a while back. And I think they lost something like $1.2 billion in this. And, and Barry Silbert, you know, he, he's whatever you think about the guy. Uh, he's still kind of posturing in a way that says, well, you know, DCG and Grayscale being separate entities from Genesis are going to potentially come out of this, or, or at least as far as I can tell. And, and this is this is pretty interesting shit. So there was a tweet that was put out by uh, Tier 10K DB. If you don't follow him, you totally should. I'm assuming it's a dude. Uh, but what he said was creditors would agree to a forbearance period between one and two years under a prepackaged bankruptcy plan in exchange for cash payments and equity in digital currency group. Now, DCG is the parent company of uh, Grayscale, I believe. And Grayscale, you know, they've got the various crypto trusts. So there's the, the GBTC, which is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. and You've got Ethereum, et cetera. They, they hold something like 20 something billion dollars uh, worth of assets. And they're taking a 2% management fee on top of that. So DCG is effectively printing money every single year uh, like crazy. And so part of me thinks, all right, well, this is a decent scenario because if they're, they're not owed, we know this from, you know, Mount Gox, et cetera. They're not tallying this up as I lost one Bitcoin. So you owe me one Bitcoin. They're tallying this up as I lost one Bitcoin at $16,000. So you owe me $16,000, which means if there is a forbearance period and the crypto markets do go up during that time, uh, it allows again, some interesting fuckery to go on, uh, when it comes to Genesis and the way that they're going to be paying people back. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about this. We can tell what the market thought about it. Absolutely nothing. Uh, this news had no, no market movement impact whatsoever, which I think we kind of saw this coming, you know, down the road. Anyone that thought this was going to be an event probably took this as an event uh, already. It's very unlikely that Grayscale, uh, which is, you know, the, the Bitcoin trust and the Ethereum trust will be having to liquidate. Uh, would be is my feeling on this since Genesis is a separate entity. What do you guys think about this, Mark? Let's start with you. Yeah, no, I think I think Genesis declaring bankruptcy is a positive. Uh, first of all, it, it contains the blast radius. There, there was going to be a there was going to be a blast radius. Something was going to blow up. So the fact that only Genesis and not DCG and Grayscale were blowing up, it just contains the blast radius to Genesis. That's good for the industry. And that's good for everyone in DCG and Grayscale. Um, it provides some closure to the situation. So now, now we know what's going to happen, right? We don't have to worry about it. Um, I, I would have thought it would have been more bullish news on the market, but the market just sort of going, yeah, we kind of we kind of thought this was where it was going to go. Um, I think it's good. Is it good for Gemini, though, and those no. folks? I mean, I think ideally the best thing would have been them coming to the table and finding a resolution. And here's, you know, I'm going to prophesy here that when they crack the books, you know, just like we saw some real funky shit with FTX, but like Genesis uh, is a, is the player that all the players went to, right? And so I think we're going to see some real funky shit when they crack the Genesis books open. And, you know, if we've learned anything this year, it's that when when we find something that we really don't like in this industry, 
the good players seem to come together and not just rally against it, but, you know, create potentially its equivalent that's operating above board or we're just exposing the shenanigans that I think if I had to take a guess, I would imagine any nascent financial industry, you know, pre serious regulation is going to have these types of shenanigans go on. And I think it's good that it's all coming out now. Growing so maybe we can move forward and start fresh. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Nick? Um, look, I don't know. It's very complicated. What I do know is it's bad, bad for, uh, bad for Gemini. Um, the damage gets contained. And I think why they're pissed off is they were trying to find a way to leverage Barry to use DCG and its assets to bail them out. And, and ultimately, I think by Genesis going into bankruptcy, um, the kind of the buck stops there and they're not going to have any claim on any of the DCG assets or the other assets. Um, but again, this is good for the market. Like you said, we get past it. Some people lose some money. That's terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, things, things become more resilient moving forward. Um, I, 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 I think the Winklevi are the losers in this bet. And that's why you can see them. They're, they're kind of pretty well held together. Um, their tweets over the last three weeks are like very um, uncharacteristic. And so you can see the pressures built on them that they know they've got a losing hand and they're trying anything to shame this guy into making them whole. Um, but Barry looks to have outplayed them for now. The gentlemen of Harvard always hold it together. Keela, thoughts, concerns, discrepancies? Uh, I like that saying. That's... Uh a good one yeah i think um for me ah, bankruptcy it's an it's an easy it's an easy out it's what probably anyone would try and do in that scenario to where they don't have to uh they don't have to deal with all the uh all the other fuckery um that would ensue if they didn't do it so i mean for them everybody else did it um it's uh it's an easy out and it's there. I mean, it's it's completely legal for a reason. Buns, double sharp. You guys want to jump in here at all? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, I, I, I just I'm not surprised that they filed for bankruptcy. I'm not surprised it didn't really make the market. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. It's I also like somebody. <laughs> I can't remember who said this, but the, you know, nascent, or I think it was you asked the nascent financial markets have these issues. So do non nascent financial markets. I mean, 2000, there's, you could just go back, not even in like distant history, very recent history. There's constantly, you know, all sorts of shenanigans going on in financial markets. So um, I don't necessarily know that it ever goes away. Um, I just, I think this is just, you know, sort of what Bunch just said, if you're, dealing with centralized companies that can file for bankruptcy, then this is one of the potential outcomes of it. For sure. And they're not going to go away. I mean, you saw what Suzu is uh, going oh. up another exchange. Like, oh God. I mean, it's, not, it's not going away. It's, uh, it's just, okay, build it up, file for bankruptcy. All right, cool. Let's do it again. What's yeah. Sifu doing these days? Maybe... <sighs> I think he's still, he got a raw <laughs> deal. I, just, I feel man. like I feel like everybody's everybody's like making a comeback know. now. So like, <laughs> yeah, Sifu's you know what's got a coin called Sifu, yeah. and he's basically doing a lot of stuff with um, uh, chicken bonds. Chicken so bonds, yeah. He's corny. Yeah, he's got a, a lot of money in chicken bonds. So basically, yep. he's trying to make a lot of money in chicken bonds and then give the proceeds to the Sifu token holders. Wait, and did you say right you now. said chicken buns? 
chicken, chicken bonds, bonds from oh, liquidity. So LUSD. Liquidity. It's the uh, protocol on liquidity um, thing that LUSD is doing to build up their stable coin. And it's apparently making a lot of people a lot of money, including Sifu. So All right. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. glad he made a comeback too then. I, yeah. I think well, he, he still basically not. controls the Wonderland Treasury, which is not... Tiny. Wait, does he? I don't know. I haven't really More been following any of the. You know, I used to I think, follow. I think there was the a vote. He, he he didn't control it. They booted him out when we were all outraged at this guy's past. But there was a vote recently, and I think they the, the Wonderland Treasury gave him some money to manage, something like that. Um, okay. In the scheme of things, he's probably a saint. This guy. Um, yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, you know go, what I like. Go seafood. You know what I like the most is that unlike, you know, in TradFi, and obviously maybe this will change given the size and the scope of the industry, but, you know, if you screw up in crypto, you're on your own. Uh, governments aren't coming to bail you out here. Uh, you will you will crash. And, 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 and that's probably for the best for our industry. And, and you know, when, when we were up in the 50K range and people were saying there's an immense amount of leverage that needs to be unwound, right? In fact, Nick, you may have said that. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I, I didn't understand, you know, uh, but you watch it happen and it's almost surreal the amount that actually had to unwind. And it didn't unwind because people paid their loans back. It unwound because people got liquidated in big ways and their companies went belly up. And so it's interesting that, you know, 3AC was a huge name. Like anyone that's been around for a while, you know that if you had 3AC on your on your cap table, like that was something for a little while. And, and people were impressed with that, you know, not so much anymore. Uh, and so who the hell knows where we're, where we're going to be going over the next year. Either way, we'll be here to share it with you guys. We're going to have fun with it. And so I want to I end this on a, a positive note. So Quantum Miami is happening uh, next week. We're excited about it. A lot of good shit going down. Uh, if you're a Phantom fan, Kong and Andre have been teasing some interesting things. Uh, I'll be there. Mark will be there. Buns will be there. Double Sharp will be there. Keela will not be there. I will not be there. I'm sorry that you won't be there. I'm sorry you won't be there, Nick, but we wish you the best with Ravello, man. I know you're going to crush it uh, with whatever you do. But uh, we will be there in force. We've got the entire BlockBytes team there, including Clay, who's in Cabo right now. That's why he's not here. I don't want to speculate <laughs> on what he's doing in Mexico, but I'm sure it's not Clay. above Showing board. pasties. I don't know. <laughs> man, pasties really got some love around this around this show, didn't they? Holy shit. But, uh, but we're going to have a, a huge presence there. Uh, all of us will. It's going to be a good time. I, I saw this morning that uh, Tigris from Tarot just uh, he set up his VIP event that's going to be going on. I think it's going to be Wednesday at 9 p.m. Some big Tarot oh. party happening. So these these types of things are going to start kicking off here pretty soon. So I'm very excited. If you're going to be in Miami, please don't be shy. Like, please come up and say hi to myself or, or anyone on the team. Uh, we'd love to meet you. And and that's it, man. I don't Wait, think I have anything else. If, ahead, if, you don't, if you don't already have a ticket, where do you get tickets? QuantumMiami.com. Uh, we, have, we have given away our allotment, unfortunately. But I will tell you this. So I did a, a Spaces with Matt yesterday, who's head of BD for, for Quantum. Really, really good dude. Uh, somebody I've gotten pretty close to over the last couple of months. And, and, and what he said was, I, I won't turn anyone away. Basically, if you show up there and especially if like you're a student and you took the time to get there, but you just can't afford the ticket, you come talk to him. He'll get you in uh, is what he said. Now, I'm not telling 
you know, a slew of people to show up at the front door demanding free tickets. But I will tell you that that's, that's kind of the attitude that quantum takes is like, we, we just want to break even on this. Right. And if we break even, you know, if we're, if we're even money, we're doing pretty good. So that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get the hell out of here. My name's Austin with Block Bites. With, with me as always, Mr. Mark Jeffrey, Nick Dracon or Draconian, uh, Double Sharp, the lovely Miss Buns, and Keela. And we're going to close this one out. Emmett, take us home, buddy. <laughs>